You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumare. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumare. And I am broadcasting live today from the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, uh, deep in the heart of the financial uh, district uh, here in Chicago. And I am here in the lobby keeping an eye on the unfolding banking problem. So great. So- and we can send one of our intrepid reporters out for a live That's right. feed. Right, right now, nothing is happening in the lobby. Uh, there are a couple of people sitting and a lot of people are leaving work and going home. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> because it's over. It is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it, actually, you know what I remind myself is like when a crime reporter on the local news reports the next day from in front of the police station. Where absolutely, <laughs> absolutely nothing is happening at all. And she says, hi, I'm Heather, and I'm here in front of the police station. We should have sent you to Silicon Valley, John. Yeah, that would have been good. It would have been warmer than Chicago is today. Anyway, this is actually not a light topic. And I I, I did kind of want to take your temperature. You know, I know the administration says, Biden and so forth, we have this all under control don't worry, everything's okay. And I understand that I've watched It's a Wonderful Life and I understand how bank runs work and everything. Something tells me that we have a shaky financial system and it's making me nervous. Am I wrong? Um, well, I you got me, but this is what I've learned <laughs> in the last few days by like even going so far as reading the Wall Street Journal, which is not the top of my list. That um, one, I don't think that our financial system is shaky so, it's so much. It's not 2008 because there you had all, all the banks in on it. But um, I had I didn't really understand this distinction between the big banks and the regional banks and a regional bank would be i don't know what that'd be in chicago do you have pnc pnc is a big bank here they they bought a big cleveland bank after the last financial crisis pnc is a pretty big bank but i think pnc would be considered a regional bank meaning it's not chase it's not jp morgan oh jp morgan chase same right it's not yeah. one of the city. It's not one of those really, really big banks. Um, like one of the banks that was mentioned today on the local news was Key Bank, which is, I think, a pretty big bank, but it is regional to you know this part of the country. Not regional just to Ohio, but nonetheless. Um, and these are the banks that are more at risk than were the big banks because the big banks have to stress test and what Congress did in 2018, I guess it was, was to um, soften the rules put in place after the last financial crisis 
um, to minimize when banks have to stress test. Well, and let me put some numbers and names to this. You'll remember, go way, way back, that the bill that reformed the banking system was the Dodd-Frank bill, right? And mm -hmm. the Frank in that was Congressman Barney Frank, who was uh, you know, a great advocate. We have to regulate the, the banks. And at that time, the size of a bank in terms of, I guess, capitalization was $50 billion is where you went from being a smaller or regional bank to being a, a, a big bank. So that meant a lot of banks who fell over that 70, 75 million were going through a lot of regulation and testing. The Trump administration uh, changed that from 50 billion to 250 billion. Okay, so and so I think it's fair to say, John, that yes, Trump signed that. I don't think they were the initiators of that, but these banks and their lobbyists. Yeah, and let me tell you somebody who was a big supporter of this change. Remember Congressman Barney Frank, the guy who did the regulation? He was in favor of, of loosening this regulation, raising it $250 billion. There's one more punchline to this. Congressman Barney Frank is now on the board of Signature Bank, which directly benefited from that. Right. Does this so, feel kind of crappy to you? It does. And I suspect that if there were legitimate congressional hearings about this, there'd be lots of dirty hands and they'd be Republicans and Democrats and lobbyists and lawyers and bankers. And um, so I... I think they all want to run away from it. And um, I think that's why the government went in so fast to make sure that all depositors were um, covered way beyond the statutory amount, the FDIC amount, um, and calm people down so you don't have other runs on banks. Because the other thing, John, is the way that banking is done now, if you're nervous that your bank is not going to have money, you don't have to go stand in line at the bank. You hit a button on your computer and transfer all your money out. So you don't, it's nothing like It's a Wonderful Life where they're it, all yelling and everything and they're is, watching the clock. It is not. And they said that's one of the reasons this came up so fast is that those people sitting in Silicon Valley were like, I got to get my money out of there and I got to get it out fast. And so they just, you know, sent it by Zelle, I guess, or Venmo. <laughs> yes, yeah. Maybe Apple Pay or something exactly. like that. But, you know, I, technology has changed banking so much. But the fundamental thing that has not changed about human beings is that human beings are greedy. And if you do not, and I'm saying you as the government in terms of rec um, representing all of us as citizens and, and people with our wealth, you know, sitting in banks, um, if we don't have restrictions on how people um, act when they're fiduciaries of all this money, they will act badly. Did we not learn that in 2008? But because the bank 
the bank system, the bankers, everyone was so protected in 2008. Thank you, Obama. Um, there was no moral hazard. The only people who um, suffered the consequence of the 2008 crash, 2009 crash, were homeowners. Yep. And here, these dudes who owned that bank, you know, they got their bonuses, their bank crashes, and there will be no consequences for them either. So they'll they'll fix this little bit and fix that little bit. But John, these guys will go right back to doing what they're doing unless we tighten up the rules, you repass some version of Glass-Steagall where banks could not also be investor investment uh, uh, operate with investment strategy, you know, uh, instruments. That, that's, that's way beyond my pay grade, but even I know enough to know that the regulators have taken a little bit of a nap and let the lobbyists and the lawyers and ex-representatives uh, and senators make some money. You know, uh, one of my favorite features on uh, uh, sibling talk on our podcast is the John Paulette stupid statement. You know, and this comes up occasionally. And it's time now for the John Paulette stupid statement. So we need and to have David is, write us some music for that. Yeah, we got to put something in here. And it's it's this, and it's so stupid, but the insured deposits are insured up to $250,000. But we've just announced that we're going to cover everything that was deposited. Nobody's going to lose a dollar. I, does that feel like we ought to go back and kind of change that $250,000 limit because clearly that's not a limit right no just... and that is not a stupid statement and again this oh we... no i thought i had a stupid no statement. no no, no. Not... i think oh. it's i don't know brilliant but i think it's yeah. something that we should be thinking about because you're right it's unlimited but then as as a depositor first of all you have that kind of cash if you're using that money to run your business, to pay, make payroll, you know, that's a lot of money to just be sitting in a bank account. It's not like your Schwab account or something like that. So if, you know, are we protecting people from their own bad financial decisions when we do that? That's the moral hazard. And that's the thing that we're supposed to try to avoid. Because the taxpayers cannot be responsible for everybody's bad decision, and then there are no consequences. And you know, John, there's such an interesting juxtaposition going on right now, which is this is happening to this bank, and there probably will be a couple other banks that fail. And we'll bail those people out, we'll bail those company owners and the bankers, and everybody else will be made whole. But you know who? is not allowed to make a mistake, an 18-year-old kid that decides to study anthropology at, you know, some private school in Ohio. Because they're dumb, and they don't have the right, and they should suffer the consequences of that. Yeah, yeah, we hear moral hazard all, all the time uh, about that. I, I do think, just to get, get all partisan uh, about this, I think the Republicans are kind of floundering 
they're not they know they're against something but they're not positive one what they're against josh hawley i thought had the most interesting one you know biden has said the american taxpayers are not going to pay for a dime of any of this including the more than 250,000 what he plans to do is put increased fees on all the banks uh, so that they can pay into the FDIC and that'll cover this whole cost. And Josh had to look around for a while, but that bugs him because all these poor little banks are going to have to pay and they didn't even do anything wrong. <laughs> yes, but their, um, <laughs> their depositors would be the first ones with their hands out. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Don't you think he had to think for a long time before he came up with that? I think he needs our stupid music. So let's make sure David writes us some stupid music. Oh, that'd be good. uh, But I, what I, um, how do I say this? First of all, I do understand that the rules have to be different for small banks than big banks. I do get that. And you want small credit unions and unions and other kinds of local community banks, I think that is important. And I do think specialty banks, which in some way the um, Silicon Valley Bank was, because that's where all the venture capitalists went to, you know, and they lent money to start uh, tech businesses, startups, all that. So a diverse bank system, I think, is important. But how we do that and ultimately protect taxpayers because when it all comes falling down, John, what do they do? They put their hands out to the, the government that they hate, the government that's always trying to regulate them. Yeah. But I did hear that one of the things that um, DeSantis and his ilk, to use his word, to use your word, are um, going after is this that this bank was woke because they had a diverse board and a diverse, oh, you know it? And a diverse leadership ta- team. So the implication they probably had diver- diversity training, don't you? They think? They did. They did, and all that bad stuff. And one of the implications is, if you're going to hire all kinds of women and black people to run a bank, this is what you get. You without talk about a moral thinking, hazard. Exactly. Without thinking about remembering that in tw- 2008, when Bear Stearns and all the banks came a tumbling down. Everyone in charge of those banks were white men. Absolutely, absolutely good. I'm glad they found a good thing to be in opposition to. Listen, last, last one, one last tag on this that just cracked me up, and we have to thank Jen Psaki, uh, the former press secretary uh, for the president, for this little tidbit. The uh, other day, uh, Monday. When all of this was breaking, the president uh, gave a speech at nine o'clock in the morning and to put the markets and everybody at ease. Jen Psaki said, you can tell it's really important because Joe Biden's a real night owl and he doesn't like giving speeches at nine o'clock in the morning. And I, that just cracked me oh up. Oh, my God. That's a great <laughs> little piece of info. <laughs> that's the kind of thing only somebody in a position like Jen could give. And so I was just picturing uh, Jill, his wife, saying, come on, Joe, you got to get up. you got to give a speech and calm the banks and the markets. I don't want to. 
But I love that Joe Biden stays up late and he's an old guy. I couldn't stay up late if my life depended on it. Yeah. And I wonder, does he like watch Jimmy Fallon? (laughs) Uh, And he does love that. Mm -hmm. Well, and probably, I mean, not too many years ago, old guys stayed up because they like to watch Jay Leno. Old people love Jay Leno. I'm talking. Bye. Bye. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.